Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. This morning, the, the message that I would like to, to speak to you is one that I hope will be extremely practical. Um, you know, we are, we are told to be in the Word of God. And it's one thing just to read it. It's another to, to truly apply it. And, and this message is all about how to apply the Word of God in our lives. I, I, this, the title of this message is Filled with the Knowledge of God. And I take that from Colossians chapter 1, and I want to read verses 9 through 11 to you, and then we'll, we'll go from there. It says, We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of His glorious power, so you will have all of the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. I want to begin this, um, this message by, by saying that everything, no exceptions, everything in the behavior of us as Christians must be related to the truth of the re revealed Word of God. Whenever you are asked to do something, whenever uh, a, a certain type of behavior is required of us, whenever we are warned to do something or warned to not do something, it must be based on the truth of Jesus Christ and, and the Word of God. Now, the truth must be the basis, if you will, for all of our behavior. And we live in a society today where there is a rejection of absolutes. And as a result, any behavior can become relative. You know, from a, a Christian viewpoint, all of our behavior must be tied back to the Word of God. Now, I want to give you some examples. And these first examples are just in day-to-day -day living. You know, um, if, if you drive 80 miles an hour out here on Highway 36, it can mean one of two things. One, you're from Illinois or Iowa. Um, you know, just every car that passes me down the highway uh, is Illinois or Iowa. Um, or it could mean, you know, what it's going to mean is that you're going to get um, pulled over by a, a highway patrolman or a policeman, and you're going to get fined for unacceptable behavior. You know, if you drive 80 miles an hour then, and, and you get fined, what it means is there is an absolute. The absolute is that the speed limit is 65. And if you mistreat the absolute, then you are going to be under the condemnation of the law. 
that sounds kind of churchy, doesn't it? And, you know, you're under the condemnation of the law. It is not acceptable. And so as a result, you will be punished. Um, another example, if you go into a hardware store or any kind of store and rather than pay for what items you are picking up, you just decide to try to walk out with them. And on your way out, if you get arrested, what it means is that you have, again, violated an absolute and therefore you're going to be charged with a crime because your behavior is unacceptable. Why is it unacceptable? Because and the absolute is that shoplifting is a crime. Absolutes are always the basis for determining moral behavior. And you know, all acceptable behavior in our society is based on absolutes. Laws are absolutes. So if we remove the absolutes, if we have no laws, then there's no way to judge anybody's actions. You know, um, you know, from a moral standpoint, then any behavior becomes acceptable behavior. Now, this is also true from a spiritual standpoint. All the behavior that we as Christians have is based on divine absolutes. God lays down a principle, and we take that, in, that principle, we apply it to our lives, it becomes an absolute in our lives. In Romans 7, verse 7, Paul says, Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. So what Paul is saying is, is the way that I evaluate my, my right behavior, the way I evaluate the, the way I'm living my life, is based on the absolutes that I find in the Bible, that I find in the Word of God. Now then, all spiritual behavior must be evaluated based on the absolutes established in the Word of God. The Bible is a book of absolutes. It is a book of principles. And the first thing that we as followers of Christ, that we as Christians must do is learn the absolutes. That, that we learn what is considered proper and improper behavior. We're told this in the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples. Well, what is a disciple? A learner, a, a person who is learning to follow a, a leader, a teacher. So go and make disciples of all nations. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. All right? How do I know what to do in my marriage if I don't know the standards? How do I know what to do in my job if I don't know what the Bible teaches about work and, and work ethics? How do I know what to do about proper worship of God if I don't understand what God expects in my worship? You know, how, how do I know how to be born again if I don't follow the absolutes of Scripture? How do I know anything 
about spiritual matters if I don't understand God's expectations, God's patterns, God's standards, God's laws. So what Paul is doing in Colossians chapter 1 in his prayer is he, he, in verse 9, he's saying, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you catch what he's saying there? His prayer is that we know God, that we know his will, and then that we conform to it. Now, this is a, a, a process that is illustrated over and over throughout the Bible. Um, for example, in Romans 12, beginning with verse 1, it says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So what he's saying here is this is how you are to behave. That's the absolute, okay? First of all, you present your bodies as living sacrifices. And then verse 2, when you don't have this up on the screen, but verse 2 says, let your mind be transformed. And then verses 3 through 8, he talks about finding and, and determining your spiritual gifting. And then he goes on and he says, and this is how you apply your spiritual gifting. So these are expectations that have been placed on us. These are the principles. These are the absolutes. This is how you are to live. You are to conform in behavior by following these examples. So behavior is always grounded on the bottom line. You know, the bottom line of our behavior are these absolutes. 2 Corinthians 6.17, Therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Again, here what God is saying is this is the bottom line principle. This is the absolute. I want my children, I want my followers to live clean lives. I, and therefore, I want them to separate themselves from anything that is unholy, anything that will, will cause them to, to fall short of my expectations. I, I want them to be devoted to me. That is the principle, okay? We understand that. And so, how do we respond? Well, if you read down in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. All right? In other words, you know what God wants. God wants you to live a clean, holy life. He wants you to separate yourself from the wickedness of the world. And when you understand that, you apply that to your life. If God wants purity from you, then you purify your life. This is the basic thought that, that Paul is teaching here in Colossians chapter 1. He's praying that you might know the complete knowledge of God's will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the basis of our behavior 
begins with the knowledge of God's truth. And that's why we must know the principles of the word of God. I know I say this, maybe I'm beginning to sound like a broken record, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself a Christian, you must be in the word of God. You cannot possibly understand what God wants of you. You cannot possibly understand what God expects of you if you're not in the word of God daily. And I'm not talking about just checking off a checklist where you read, you know, read a little bit and say, okay, I was in the Bible today. You need to, you need to go to this and, and understand and apply the word of God. You need to dig in. Let it get on the inside of you. The Bible tells us we are to meditate on the word of God. I know I have used this example before, and it's always a bad thing to do before lunchtime. But think about studying the word of God like marinating meat. Let's say you take a, a nice chicken breast, you put it in a plastic bag, and you pour teriyaki sauce in there because I like teriyaki chicken. And that meat soaks in that, that flavoring, and it absorbs that flavoring. Okay? It is marinating. Well, you are to marinate on the Word of God. You are to spend so much time in the Word that it gets on the inside of you. It, you absorb the, the flavoring of God's Word. It becomes a part of who you are. And, and Paul says, I want you to be dominated. You know, notice he says that you might be filled that word filled means to be totally dominated by what? By God's will. You know, the, verse 9, it, it says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the first thing that needs to happen is that you develop a knowledge of God's will. Again, how do you get that? By spending time in the Word of God. Spending time marinating in the Word of God. And then that wisdom that you're gaining becomes understanding. That wisdom becomes an absolute. Whereas you, as you understand what it's asking you to do, you do it. You begin to conform to the Word of God. So first you know and then you make a rule out of it. You apply it. It becomes, it becomes a, a guideline for your life. We're going to look at just a couple of different scriptures and see how this works. In Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. So what we're looking at here is Jesus is, is lamenting over Jerusalem because Jerusalem has this long history of when prophets would come to the people and tell the people, you need to repent. You need to turn away from your sin. You need to turn to God. Instead of responding in faith, they would stone the, the, the prophets to death. They would kill them. And so what is the absolute, what is the principle that's being taught here? 
is we find in verse 38. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. So what we understand is when people reject God, when people turn their back on God, this is the principle. God punishes bad behavior. God punishes rebellion. God punishes those who turn away from him. That is, that is an absolute. So what, what is, how do we apply that to our lives? We resolve, I'm not going to intentionally rebel against God, and I'm going to do everything I know to do to try to help other people not rebel against God either. That, that's how this works. So the spiritual understanding of the application is I'm not going to reject God. That's the application. And I don't want my friends to do it either. You see, you don't just digest knowledge. Uh, knowledge that is unused is useless. Uh, if, if you have all this wisdom, all this knowledge, but it, you don't apply it to your life, it's pointless. You, you might as well not have it at all. So you take it in, you, you absorb it, and then you apply it. And that's exactly what Paul is praying for here with the Colossians. He's praying that they will be dominated by God's knowledge. And, and because they have this knowledge that leads them to a, a deeper understanding, it's going to change the way they behave. That's the message. And, and isn't that what we as Christians are supposed to be doing? We take in the word of God and then it transforms us and we begin to live differently. We begin to behave differently. We begin to view the world differently because we have taken in the word of God and we are applying it. Jesus said it. In, in John chapter 8, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, you can know stuff, but if it doesn't change you, if, if you don't apply it, it's useless. Now, we, we have to know the principles. And again, the only way you're going to know the principles is by being in the Word of God. You know, if, if Sunday morning from approximately 9.30 till noon is the only spiritual input you're getting in your life, then you're not getting near enough. You know, I, I might be awesome, but I'm not that awesome, all right? You know, just, just saying. Yeah, you need to be in the Word of God absolutely every day, period. So, when we're in the Word of God, we're, we're back in Colossians now, when we apply, when we, we study the Word and, and we're allowing the Word to come into our life and we're beginning to, to conform to what the Bible teaches some good things are going to happen. And, and for the rest of this message, I want to show you what the good things are that are going to happen. Beginning in verse 10. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will, be, will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. 
When you are filled with the knowledge of God and you begin to let it transform you, you are marinating in the Word of God and you are applying the absolute truths of the Word of God to your life. Again, understand, you can't just hear the Word. You have to apply the Word. That is the critical piece that most people don't do. They hear it, they hear it, they hear it, they hear it, but they don't ever apply it. You know, if you eat and don't exercise, you become big, fat, bloated, right? But if you eat and exercise, then that food transforms into into energy and it produces results. If we could look at ourselves spiritually, I think most of us are spiritually obese because we have taken in tons of spiritual food, but we're not exercising that spiritual food. We're not using it in service. So here are the five benefits that you're going to have happen in your life when you begin to apply God's absolutes. The first thing He says, is the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. That is such an important biblical concept. When you are dominated by the the knowledge of God and you apply the principles, the, the spiritual applications, you will live a life that is worthy of God. Man, that is a home run ball right there. You know, to be able to say, I know that I'm living a life that is worthy of God. Oh, my gosh. You know, that almost sounds impossible, right? You know, to 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 think that I'm I'm actually living in a way that God looks and says, I'm happy with what you're doing. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to live worthy of God. First Thessalonians 2.12 says, We plead with you, encourage you, and urge you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. It can be done. It's not an impossible command that's given to us. You know, Jesus isn't telling us to to fly through the air. He's not telling us to, you know, to do something that is beyond our ability. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord beseech you. And that word beseech means I beg you. You know, this is beseeching. Oh, I, I'm begging you, please. All right. That hurt. Ow, I shouldn't have done that. Um, I, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord beg you, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation for which you were called. As a Christian, you are clothed in Jesus Christ. In and of yourself, you absolutely cannot, absolutely cannot measure up to God's standard. It is impossible. You cannot do it. But because we are clothed in Jesus Christ, we can walk Worthy of the Lord, not because of you, but because of Christ in you. You know, we we can say, yeah, I I know that, but that's not really, that's not really realistic. Yeah, it is. In 1 John 2, 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. He is our model, okay? 
Anytime you are trying to figure out how to live your life, if you want a perfect role model, Jesus Christ is our role model. He is who you should pattern your life after. Don't pattern your life after a sports hero. Don't pattern your life after your mom or your dad. Don't pattern your life after the preacher for sure. Don't pattern your life after anyone except Jesus Christ. Because He will never fail you. I want you to pay attention to 2 Corinthians 6.16. He says, for you are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. Catch that. I will be their God and they will be my people. Do you know that the Bible says, and here is the principle. We are to walk worthy of God. We are to walk worthy of Jesus Christ. And you're saying, but, but I can't do that. You're right, you can't. But Christ in you can. And so the more you submit to the will of God, the more you die to self, the more you, you come under the power, the direction, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more you will produce right living. The more you will walk as Christ walked. That's what this is teaching us. So when I'm conformed to Christ, when I am totally yielding myself to the Spirit, the Spirit walks through me. I begin walking worthy in everything I do, and it pleases God. The next thing, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Knowledge applied produces fruitfulness. God's children, we are like trees. I told the first folks in the first service, if we were all little, we'd all stand up and we'd get to pretend that we're trees. You know, you can be a bushy tree, you could be a pine tree, you could be a weeping willow. You know, you could, you could decide what kind of tree you want to be. In Psalms 1, it says that be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season. We are to bear fruit. Did you know that? You are to, you are to bear fruit. Fruit is the byproduct of living righteously. The problem is, is too often we try, you know, our fruit is fake fruit because we're trying to produce the fruit out of our own efforts. We don't have to do it. I have a fig tree at my house. It doesn't have to be coaxed to produce figs. It does it because it's a fig tree and it just naturally produces fruit. When we are living righteous lives, we will naturally produce fruit. Well, what is fruit? Fruit is righteous behavior, righteous deeds. It's godly works. Fruit is leading people to Christ. Fruit is loving our enemies. Fruit is praise. Fruit is giving. Fruit is, fruit is just the product of living a godly life. The thing that is most directly related to this productivity is the knowledge and the application of God's truth. When we live godly lives, we will produce godly fruit. It doesn't have to be faked. 
It doesn't have to be conjured up. It doesn't have to be forced. It will just happen because we're living the life God called us to live. You know, and, and so understand that. If you're not producing fruit in your life right now, spiritual fruit, let that be a red flag to you, okay? If, if you're looking at your life and you, you don't really see any spiritual fruit coming out of your life, it means, one, you're not saved, that the Holy Spirit is not in you, or, two, it means that you are so far off from God that He isn't able to, to demonstrate His presence through your life. And you need to correct your, your direction. You need to repent. You need to turn to God and say, God, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. And you need to begin walking in a manner worthy of the truth of the revealed Word of God. Now, the third thing that in Colossians, and we're having to skip over a lot just due to time, because I know your little tummies will start growling if you're hungry. He says, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. What does grow mean? It means to mature. You know, if you plant a tree or if you plant a tomato bush, and it, you, know, you expect it to grow. You want it to grow so that it will produce. You know, If it's a tree, you want it to produce shade or you want it to produce whatever you want it to produce. You know, As a Christian, you should be growing. That is the natural expectation of anyone who is a child of God. You know, the sad reality is there are people who they made a commitment to Christ when they were children and now they're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and they're still immature as Christians because they didn't grow, because they didn't take the truth of God's word and apply it to their lives and conform to Christ. It is understood, it is expected that we grow as Christians Ephesians 4.13 says, This work must continue until we are all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God. We must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have His perfection. Now, Little little break here. You are not going to reach perfection. I'm not going to reach perfection in this life. We are tainted by sin. We cannot be perfect. But our command, our the, the absolute is that we are to be growing. We are to be moving that direction. The goal of the Christian, the goal if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ... Your goal should become like Jesus. That should be your numero uno goal. I mean, that, that's it, all right? The, and the process is, from where you are right now, you need to be growing toward Christ. Now, how does this happen? Knowledge. You study the Word of God. It becomes your food. It becomes your fuel. It's your nourishment. 
And so as you walk worthy, as you allow Christ to conform in your life and you begin to change the way you believe and the way you think and the way you understand and you make your life line up with God, you make your life line up with Christ, that's how you grow, that's how you develop, that's how you mature. And then the next thing that's going to happen, this is the fourth thing, is you become strong. You know, when you first plant a little tree, it's just this little twiggy thing, and you could easily snap it off or ride over it with a mower. But as you grow in Christ, you become stronger, you become more established, you become, uh, you know, a, a, a something to be contended with. And that's what's supposed to happen. We are strengthened with all His glorious power. Think about it. The power of Jesus Christ, the power that raised Christ from the dead, the power that spoke and all of creation came into existence, the power of Almighty God is available in your life if Christ is there. Understand that. Think about that. That should, that should be one of those blow your mind type of things. You are strengthened with all of God's glorious power. That's divine power in you. And, and again, that doesn't mean that you walk around shooting lightning bolts out. and you know, That's not what this is talking about. It means that God is available in you to do His work through you. His glorious power. So as you study the Word of God, God pumps strength into you. He, he pumps power into you. He pumps energy into you. That's His promise. So we walk worthy. We become fruitful. We grow. We become strengthened because we are applying God's truth. And then finally, the fifth thing in verse 11, it says, so you will have all of the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Knowledge leads to endurance. You know, think about that. What is, what is the one thing that helps you endure in a time of trial? When you're going through hardship, when, when life is kicking the crud out of you, and you're just going, oh my gosh, then... You, it's your knowledge of the promises of God that change you, that give you the strength. When you, when you are going through hardship, instead of going chicken little and going, oh, the sky is falling, oh, I can't handle this, I don't want to do this anymore. Instead of having that kind of mindset, what you do is you say, hey, God, I know what you're up to here. You are purifying me. You, through this hardship, are making me more like Jesus. This is, this is a refining fire that is being applied to my life. And so I am submitting to you because I know that what you're doing is you're driving the sin out of my life. You're driving the impurity out of my life. And I am becoming more and more like Christ. Thank you, God. That's... That's what happens when, when we develop a knowledge of God's Word and we apply His, His Word to our lives. Paul, Paul said, you know, whatever state I'm in, I have learned to be content. 
I know how to prosper. I know how to be humiliated. I don't worry about it. If somebody beats me up or punishes me or throws me in jail, I don't care because I know that God is working in me. And that's what matters. That's the mindset that we have to move toward. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying, I just, I want you to understand God's truth. That's the bottom line. I want you to understand the absolutes of God's truth. And once you know that, then I want that to be transformed into godly behavior in your life. And, And as you begin to walk in a way that honors God and is worthy of God, you're going to be pleasing to God and your life is going to produce fruit and you're going to grow and you're going to become strong and you're going to become so amazing in the service of God. And even when hardships come, you're going to endure those hardships. And you know what? You're not just going to endure them. You're going to endure them with joy because You understand that God is at work and you understand that no matter what's happening around you, God's got you and you're right where you belong. And so you will be filled with joy. I don't know about you, but that's the life I want. And again, if you're sitting there saying, I don't want any part of that, then please understand that probably means you are not a Christian. If you think you are and yet you don't want that, There is a huge red flag. So how do you get there? You study the word of God. You absorb the word of God. You apply the word of God to your life. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. You have promised us that you will not leave us as orphans. You have promised us your Holy Spirit. You have promised us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have so much that we can live for because of you. And I just give you praise and glory now. And I just pray for each and every person that's in this room and every person that's watching online. And God, I ask that you move with power in our lives that your Holy Spirit would drive home the truth of your word. May, May me and my words disappear, but may the truth of you and your Holy Spirit ring true in our hearts and minds. God be glorified. May your will be done in each of our lives. I pray all this to the glory of Christ. Amen.